What's happening, guys? Welcome to Wednesday Hump Day. It's the Locked On Big 12 Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I don't know why I sound so gangster right now. I think it's the music. I'm Brian Moot. <laughs> I was wondering that myself. I'm Jasmine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't on know the show happened. today. Yeah, you are coming in hot with that. Okay, on the show today, the NCAA is changing some rules that finally matter. And Brian and I are going to get into that because I think they finally matter. Uh, in Big 12 headlines, Kansas is moving some money around to help save some money. And we'll look at the numbers and who's taking what pay cuts. And on the show today, we continue our series winning us Big 12 basketball programs of the decade per Riley Gates of 247sports.com. And today we're looking at Kansas State and West Virginia, Brian. That's right, because we're leaving the big kahuna for Friday's episode. <laughs> I think we can all figure out who that is. That's Kansas. But we've got some breaking news. As of this morning, bright and early, you may have seen the NCAA trending on Twitter, as we all did. I thought it was because they canceled another thing, but no, Jasmine, it's not because they canceled another thing. It's because they're finally just getting on the progressive side of allowing athletes who they make millions and millions of dollars on. To finally be able to, I don't know, cash in on themselves just a little bit. Just a little bit. We're not doing it all the way yet. Just baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah, which they should. Finally, they're going to be compensated for use of their name, their image, or likeness. And this has been the big duh in the room, right? Everybody's like, hello, finally. Well, I think the big key for me is, look, back in the day before social media, before people were brands outside of being an athlete, I still think athletes should be compensated in a way that allows them to survive. A lot of these kids come from really uh, rough inner city backgrounds and backgrounds where, look, they're kind of luring them out like, hey, we, you know, we're going to take care of you and we'll do this, we're going to do that. And, you know, as soon as some booster tries to fork over some money to help a kid out, everyone gets just just backhanded by the NCAA. But now with the fact that kids can go viral overnight and you can have your own following, your own fan base, they keep they keep getting in trouble because they have a couple million Instagram followers and that's super valuable for yourself. So I think that well, we've hit a we've hit a point in time now where the NCAA can't say that these kids aren't superstars cuz these kids are clearly superstars. They are. And it's interesting because the blurb I found on the AP Newswire, it's saying schools will likely make this part of recruiting and some already have relationships with these platforms, you know, like Open Doors oh, and Influencer. Okay, well, here we go. Okay, now it's going to be a problem. Here we it's go. It's going to be a problem. So otherwise, recruits may choose schools that provide better opportunities for earning oh. money. So the the Open Doors CEO says there's a major college quarterback who's active on social media that could earn six figures annually making pitches for just 10 local businesses. So the platforms make their money on commissions and through contracts. Oh, all right. I immediately think this is a bad idea. And it's not because of the, because uh, I remember the initial argument was, well, I mean, you're going to have some guys making all this money and you don't want the starting quarterback driving a Ferrari and the, and the backup place kicker uh, riding the bus to practice. It's going to be, you know, the disparity is going to run a strife through the locker room and we'll have no chemistry. It's like, look, everyone knows who the starting quarterback. Everyone knows Trevor Lawrence on the Clemson campus. He gets a ton of stuff for free. He doesn't pay for for anything 
He should be able to capitalize on his name. Here's where it's going to become a problem is as soon as some kid starts getting into the dirty money of these people advertising and doing stuff and breaking advertising rules. Because, look, let's be honest. When you work in media, we're subjected to a lot of the same rules when it comes to hashtag ads and paid partnerships and promotions. Now, I do think that kids are going to run into some trouble with complying with the FCC. But the NCAA is like, look, that's a different government organization. You go on with the FCC. You figure it out. Right. I think this is, like you said, this is adding another, like, uh, initially we're like, yes, but it's like, it's like they almost still have their claws in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no way, look, there's no way that, that the NCAA and these universities aren't going to try to figure this out. There's no way that they're going to allow kids to just make money and not try to get in on that. They're beefing up their social media department this, this summer or right now while, well, actually while we can, because no one's playing anything. What a great time to go try to make those connections with Twitter. I, you know, you're going to find all these, uh, like all these uh, CEOs of these social media companies, all of a sudden, you know, Stanford is just crushing the recruiting class with kids <laughs> because the founder of Google went there or something or went to a party there or something or Facebook with Harvard. Who knows? I mean, they're mostly, usually they're all dropouts who start these tech companies, but it doesn't matter. They still have allegiances to areas and to schools. So it's going to, look, it's going to be a cool idea for a little bit, but it's going to get super dirty, super quick. And it's definitely not going to change all these universities because in the rules, they're not allowed to use the school or their jerseys or images or NCAA stuff, which opens the door then for the NCAA to say, well, if Trevor Lawrence can capitalize on himself in social media, why can't we capitalize on Trevor Lawrence in social media? Well, and, and that's where you, you know, it's interesting because it makes me think of, you know, back in the day when Johnny Manziel was still playing college ball and he became a moniker, you know, Johnny football. And it's like, here was Nike and everybody else making all of this money off this kid. And then, it, you know, the flags were raised when he was selling memorabilia that he signed. And it, you know what it makes me think of, Ryan? When I was the reigning trivia champ at the Pluckers wing bar, huge. I named a huge my honor. team, huge honor. Huge, my team was named Johnny Manziel's Sharpies. All right, Johnny Manziel. So, so you technically, you know what? You're the kind of person who made these rules necessary because there you are stealing his likeness at the Pluckers <laughs> to sell chicken wings and trivia. That's just, dirt, just that's dirty money. You're going to be the NCAA in five wall. minutes. In five my minutes, you'll be the NCAA. Wall. My name's on the wall. You can't, it's at the one in Plano, Plano, Texas. You can't take that away from me. You can't, can't take, take that away from me. Johnny Wingzell. You can't take my, <laughs> my wing Pluckers championships away from me. I, I like seeing the NCAA be progressive, especially when it comes to allowing other people to make money, and they're getting crushed right now when it comes to the finances stuff. Uh, but I do think the reason that they're doing it is not because they want to be good people and make good decisions for kids to allow themselves to you know, compensate themselves and live like normal people. I think they're doing it because they can see that they're running down a really tricky, uh, a really slippery slope for um, personal branding. Like, how am I supposed to tell someone that they can't capitalize off their likeness? And you've got coaches now, old school coaches, who still think that, you know, like, wow, we made you. This program made you. Well, not anymore, man. Like, you know, random athletes, the gymnast from UCLA who nailed the floor routine. Three million. She was a, oh, right, she was a monster. Three million followers on Instagram overnight and she should be able to capitalize on that what happens if i mean not not that gymna gymnasts don't kill it crush it on endorsements after the fact but i mean you're only hot on instagram or something for a little bit of time 
So I feel like there's no reason these kids can't get compensated. I do think, though, that there are going to be sharks and piranhas that find that gray area, that just live in that gray area, and when they violate something, that's the other thing. There needs to be a fine system for these companies who totally blatantly stomp all over the rules and get these kids in trouble because as much as the NCAA is letting them make money, they can't wait to find these kids. Oh, oh blood dripping suspension. from the fangs. Oh, man. And if I was a college coach on a championship run right now, I would say, look, you can be on social media, but we need someone. We need an assistant coach who knows what's going on because – just wait. You will have snitches all over the internet just blowing people up. There was an unlicensed endorsement by the Kansas Guard. Night, night. See ya. Right at <laughs> tournament time. If we oh, ever yeah. The do narcs that again. will come out. The narcs will be full and plenty. Little, we call them golf snitches. And what they do, Jasmine, is they watch golf on TV and then they call the PGA and they snitch on people because they're dorks. Sounds like no one I want to grab a drink with ever. All not, right, coming up. Not next. even at the pluckers <laughs> with your name on the wall. My name, Plano, Texas, where I reign. All right, coming up next in Big 12 headlines. What is Kansas doing to save a little bit of money and what do we think of it? We'll talk about that. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I feel so bad. I feel so bad for these rich coaches, athletic directors. <laughs> Jasmine, what are they going to do? How are they going to keep their programs afloat? I don't know how they're going to make rent. I'm worried. I mean, their generosity. I mean, oh, I don't want to see him break the bank. I don't want to see Bill Self out on the streets with a hat in hand, performing, playing the acoustic guitar on the streets of Kansas. I would like buck. to see that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually would like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, Bill Self, get, get out there in the streets. Let's raise some money that way. Cover songs. Yeah, let's do it. Yep. All right. So this is what's going down in Kansas. So the AD there, Jeff Long, we all know the football coach, good old Les Miles, and Bill Self, who you just named the basketball coach. They've taken a 10% salary reduction for the next six months in this effort to save the athletic department nearly $500,000. Now let's look at the, let's crunch some numbers here because that 500,000 just doesn't look right to me. And we've never, let's accuse me of not ever being good at math. Okay. <laughs> but okay. that number just doesn't look good. So we've got, how much does Jeff Long make? Jeff Long makes $1.5 million. Okay. Uh, Les Miles, this is a far cry from his LSU days. He makes $2.76 million <laughs> yeah, um, a feel, year. I feel bad for him. What did he make when he was at LSU? Like $9 million a season? Uh, I think it was over four, <laughs> but still, I mean, uh, I know. So 2.76 uh, on a five-year deal. Uh, we got Bill Self coming in at $7.15 million for this, for does 2020. shock me because he does, you know, he does, he is the coach for Kansas. Bringing yeah. in a lot, you're bringing in a lot of revenue. That's definitely yes. for sure. But I mean, that is, that's just such an incredible amount of money, especially when we start talking about the compensation part with the athletes. It's just, I mean, that's. That's more than a lot of professional 
athletes are making. Oh, for sure. And, you know, now all this pressure's coming because of this pandemic we're going through. It's like, all right, guys, people have to, I mean, you know, we're in media. People are taking furloughs and 20%, you know, pay cuts and everybody's feeling it across the board. So now when you've got these giant programs that are just money churners, it's like, all right, guys, where are you guys taking the cuts here now? Right. Well, that's the thing they're trying to say. So they're trying to say what? $500,000? $500,000. But it's like when you've got all this money that, you know, we're throwing all these millions of dollars and it's like, well, if Bill Self alone is taking the giant piece of the kitty here, it just seems like all this is for a piddly 500 grand when it seems like it needs to be more. I mean, in my opinion. Bill Self is sacrificing $357,500. Which is the biggest chunk of this. That's huge. But I mean, he's making the, the biggest piece of it. Now, here's my question, though, because look, Coaches are competitive. and I mean, Nick Saban has in his contract, he has to be the highest paid coach in college football. Like every time someone else gets a raise, he has to go back to Alabama and say, I need to be the highest coach. Why? Because of ego. Like, the, like Bill it's Self out of control. clearly doesn't need $7.15 million a year. He, he doesn't need that money. I haven't looked at his finances. I'm just going to go ahead and say that living in Kansas and like – Making seven point one five million dollars—that is like fifty-five million dollars in any other city, right? <laughs> right. Like, right. like if you were making the equivalent at UCLA, you'd have to be paid one billion dollars a year to oh, live in Westwood yeah. for the same as Absolutely. living what, in Lawrence, Kansas. So, right. here's the thing, though: no, none of them are taking this pay cut without some serious back-end expectations in terms of, oh, we're saving the program. We're, we're $500,000 going to be the thing that keeps this program at Kansas running. And when I make $7.15 million and we think $500,000 is going to do anything, here's the crazy part. He's going to expect to make more than that when he goes back to negotiate, when he's talking to boosters, when he's doing all this stuff shady behind the scenes, not that I'm a, I don't know anything for a fact. What? That's no, that doesn't College happen. coaches thinking about this? themselves and being a little bit shady. No, I mean, there's no way that they don't get paid back. I don't know, just multiples of what they're sacrificing right now. When can't, when this whole thing, this whole pandemic comes to a close. Yeah, no. And it'll be really interesting to see what comes out of this as far as like, like you just listed, it's not like it's a shocker, but it's also an aha. And you know, these companies remember just like everybody else outside of the sports world that th- these companies are going to remember the people that voluntarily took these cuts. So it, when it comes time to, you know, to negotiate the next deal or yeah. hey, do we want to keep this guy on board? They've got leverage there. It's such a look at me, look at me sacrifice that really isn't going to do a whole hell of a lot, especially when you talk about universities who have been stacking chips on chips on chips and with all these, you know, uh, what these dowry or endowments dowry. I would say dowry, but isn't that what you get if you get <laughs> married in like the 1700s yes and they're exchanging (laughs) marriage for goats or something i don't (laughs) a herd of goats right now i think a lot of people would take a herd of goats right now (laughs) they got some street value yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out and who follows suit. And then when all the numbers come out, like, oh, yeah, well, this guy gave up this much and this guy over here has, you know, a ton more. Why did this program do this? And like, so now it's just going to be this big, like, junk wagging contest, if you will, of like who gave up the most. You know, it's going to be funny to watch how long Nick Saban just ignores all these headlines. Oh. 
Absolutely. Just because in his mind, he's, and talk about someone whose money translates, whatever he's getting paid in Tuscaloosa is seventeen worth $17 billion if you coach anywhere else in the country because of the fact, I'm sure he hasn't paid for a single thing since he's been at Alabama. But also just watch him just keep going in his mind. I've brought more to this university. I'm not taking a pay cut. In fact, I'm writing in my next contract anytime a coach sacrifices salary to save us from a pandemic, I get the equivalent added to my salary. Exactly. And I'll send this all in an email that I just learned how to do. Oh, my. That is, see, that's the thing where you hear about <laughs> Nick Saban learning how to use email for the first time. And you're like, yeah, I, I can't imagine Bill Self doing anything shady and trying to just like throw people off the trail with his 10% pay reduction right now. I know. It's just, it's all I can't. All right, coming up next, we continue our series winning as Big 12 basketball programs of the decade per Riley Gates of 247sports.com. And today we're looking at Kansas State and West Virginia. Time to talk about winningest Big 12 basketball seasons. We're looking at Kansas on Friday. It's Kansas State today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an obvious, right? We all know. It's no secret who number one is. But I mean, yes. That's who, yeah, I mean, we got to save the best for last in turn. Well, not the best for last, but I'm just saying the, the most winningest for last. And another team that I forgot and I can't find my piece of paper right now. It's West Virginia, the oh. home of the favorite mascot. <laughs> well, home of one of my favorite teams to bet on in the NCAA tournament because for uh. some reason they always come in with a bunch of no-namers that Every love year. to foul hard. That's Every what I love about year. them. Yep, yep, yep. So we're going to continue this. Winning us Big 12 basketball programs of the decade. This is per Riley Gates of 247sports.com. So, so far, if you're taking tally at home, number 10 is TCU, number 9 is Texas Tech, Number eight is Oklahoma State. Number seven is OU. Number six, Texas. Number five, Iowa State. And today, number four, Kansas State, the Wildcats. So Riley Gates says the record, 92 and 86, which means that winning percentage is just over 51.6%. How they got here in the first three years of the decade, Bruce Weber won a Big 12 championship after taking over for Frank Martin. He then would produce another conference title six years later. Weber's Wildcats won 25 games in back-to-back seasons recently, which helped spark K-State to number four on this list. They were another fun team to watch in the tournament. Yes. Always, they're, yep. they're always scrappy. And I think it comes from that being in the you know University of Kansas' shadow all the Absolutely. time. But they always have somebody that gets picked in the draft. Look, I, I will say this. They're, they're always like really exciting to watch in the tournament. And then as soon as their players come out, they are wildly underwhelming in the NBA. You know, I think was it Michael Beasley, one of the last ones that I want to say, yeah, Michael yeah. Beasley, a guy that I really thought from watching him in his turn that tournament run, I thought, ah, this guy right here, because he had that grit and that edge that mm-hmm. that that Kansas State generally has, which is they they're not the most talented, but they're definitely gonna fight you literally to the last second of the game, which is always exciting to watch in but the NCAA I love tournament. That. Absolutely, because it reminds me of so much of like the 80s and 90s NBA where it was just scrappy, dirty ball and people were fighting for those rebounds and they were just fighting in the paint. I love that stuff. And you're right. It's like Kansas State has been like the ratchet sister to the hot sister Kansas. Like hot sister Kansas is always getting dates. And, you know, ratchet sister Kansas State's like, if you don't date me, I'll cut you kind of thing. So. Right. 
it's it, it, being in that shadow does suck. And so watching them play ball is really entertaining. I do like this too. When you, you bring up the, the comparison to nineties NBA with hard fouls and toughness, certain teams, I don't know if you ever heard of just man strength, Jasmine, you ever heard of just man strength? I mean, you're on this show, aren't you? I mean, just, but man strength <laughs> is not weight room strength. Weight room strength. Weight room strength is like you look good with your muscles, and that's like that's modern basketball now. Everyone's doing high intensity training, and you know all this stuff where they they look completely jacked and shredded, but then for some reason they just get manhandled by somebody who looks like they haven't done a sit up yes. in seven years. <laughs> right? Because because nineties basketball was man strength. Like they were like Bill Lambeer doesn't look like he could bench press more than two hundred pounds. Yet he like you see some of the hard fouls that he had against oh, Jordan yeah. and Jordan having to power through those things. That's you have a man strength team. Kansas State falls into the man strength team where they just go out there and they just they don't look bigger or stronger than you. But for some reason they do, you just see them running people out of bounds when they're boxing people out. And just every time there's a foul, it's a hard foul that means something. That's yes. something I appreciate. When you foul somebody and you know that, oh, oh, that was intentional. Can't call it, but that was so, oh, you weren't even trying for the ball. Yeah, and that's the kind of, you bring that up perfectly. It's like all these guys now are just chiseled. They look like they stepped off of like the poster for what you should look like. Like every dude should just dream about looking like this, but you're right. It's like they they can't fight a paperclip like in the paint. Like there's, I'm like, what? nobody's rebounding anymore. It's like, you guys are like, mm, you can have it. It's fine. Like think, no one's fighting for stuff. Do you think anybody in the nineties in basketball in the NBA ever did wind sprints with a parachute tied to their back with, with stretchy legging pants and some sort of under armor, under armor, stretchy shirts and extra, you know, electrolyte whatevers. No, they, you know what they mm -hmm. did? They didn't even work out in the weight room. They just shoved each other on a basketball floor. That's how they did. Yeah, yeah. They were pulling tractors from their ankles. Um, yeah. So there's Kansas State, and then at number three, you've got West Virginia, the good old Mountaineers. Their record of seventy-five and sixty-nine, winning percentage at right at fifty-two percent. How they got here, says Riley. The Mountaineers have been pretty strong in the more recent part of the decade, but the start of their time in the Big Twelve prevented them from being even higher. West Virginia failed to reach twenty wins from twenty eleven to fourteen, and then again in eighteen and nineteen. However, Bob Huggins has taken the team to the Sweet Sixteen three times this decade, and those are the brackets you and I keep referring to, where you're like, ah, yes. Yeah, Huggy Bear. So, I'm always surprised. Bear. I got to be honest. And if you're a West Virginia fan, you're going to hate me for this, but you know I'm right. I'm always shocked that they stay eligible because Bob Huggins, Same. when he coached the Bearcats, there's no if they they could do a, a a thirty for thirty special on the Bearcats under Huggins and just how the hell? I mean, did the NCAA not look into anything? Kenyon Martin will even say, "I don't know how I stayed eligible." Oh, Melvin. Melvin Levitt, like these guys who played <laughs> for Cincinnati, they they'll even say, I don't even know, nah, I don't I don't know. Like I don't even know when we we did whatever we wanted to under Huggins. And for some reason, every time Huggins is in the tournament, I'm like, I I don't trust him. He's got a secret weapon in there. And last year it was a dude, or the last time they were in the tournament that I saw, I don't remember his name. He was a dude, I think he was Eastern European, but he looked he looked oh. like he could out deadlift. Yes. Like like an entire like the entire team they were playing. And he oh, ran what was his name. He ran like a hovercraft. If 
Do you know what I mean? Like, he didn't run where he was bouncing. He ran like his just shoulders stayed the same height off the ground. And he had, like, like hair that looks like it. He even if he just got it cut, he needed a haircut five minutes later. Cause it yeah, just, he it was would, like, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, he screamed West Virginia. And I remember saying, God, that guy's so West Virginia. And I looked it up, and he was from, like, eastern Ukraine or something. Which makes sense that that would remind me of someone who I thought would be a West Virginia uh, enforcer on a basketball court. And I his name is escaping me right now. It's probably because it's something uh, like Kevin Pittsnoggle is coming to mind, but he played for <laughs> I think he played for Pitt. Pittsnoggle. But what a great what a great basketball name. The name Kevin Pittsnoggle is going to foul you hard. Pittsnoggle yeah. Pittsnoggle's not giving up the paint. No, and you're going to go far in life. At least no one will mess with you with that last name. Kevin Pittsnoggle? Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it's either a, a, like a monster under a bridge or Snuffleupagus' <laughs> cousin. So it's either really cute or really dangerous, but you got to find out the hard way. <laughs> Kids, avoid the pit snoggle <laughs> under the bridge. He'll just eat you. Stay safe. Pit snoggles are, we can never trust pit snoggles. <laughs> Speaking of 30 for 30 specials, I want a special in the pit snoggles. <laughs> I don't know where the pit snoggles are from. Let's write ESPN. <laughs> the history of the pit snoggles. Everyone would watch that. You would you, you wouldn't even care. Even if you knew who Kevin Pitsnoggle was, you'd go, I don't I wanna see where I wanna see his like his past. I wanna see his family. Well, I'm just gonna be salty here as we close out and say at least you'd watch that because you know your butt hasn't watched the last dance. There's ten episodes, man. That's a month. It's gonna take me forever. My girlfriend's leaving soon to go back to Atlanta. That's when I'll hunker down and watch Jordan get fouled hard by grown men who've never seen a weight room. Bill Lambeer. All right, that Lots wraps up. Really, what? <laughs> a lot of footage of Lambeer, that's for sure. <laughs> He's so white. Love him. Mm-hmm. That wraps up this edition of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Now go tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Peace out, y'all. I'm Brian Moot. And I'm Jasmine. Have a great day. We'll see y'all Friday. Still staying gangster. Gangster in, gangster out. Don't make that face at me.